is 10 Minutes or Less, a weekly-ish podcast of the local church. I'm Brent Levy. A man named Judas has a question. This is not the Judas who would betray Jesus. This is a different Judas. This Judas asks Jesus, How is it that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. Those who love me will keep my word. Maria Stewart was a keeper of the word. Maria was born in Hartford, Connecticut in 1803. That year, Thomas Jefferson was the president of the United States just over halfway through his first term. Only two months earlier, the Louisiana Purchase had been purchased. It was a time when America as a nation was, in the words of Lin-Manuel Miranda, young, scrappy, and hungry, and these words would also come to describe Maria Stewart. We don't know much about where she came from. We don't know much about her parents, Mr. and Mrs. Miller. We don't know who they were or what they did for a living. We don't know how they made ends meet. We don't know how they settled on the name Maria. We don't know their hopes and dreams for their little girl. There's no record of any of that. But we do know that they were free. Unlike so many of their fellow black sisters and brothers in the U.S. at the time, the Millers were not enslaved. And so Maria also was born free. And we also know that by the time she was five years old, Maria's parents were gone. Maria was orphaned, and she went to live with a minister and his family. While she was there, she helped out in the home, but Maria also devoured the books that she found in the minister's library. She studied and learned to read and write, largely teaching herself. She pored over scripture. She got lost in the Bible. Maria was becoming a keeper of the word. Just as was the case with her parents, though, we don't know much about Maria's life either. Not a whole lot was written down. But we do know that Maria lived and worked with the minister and his family for about 10 years. And then she moved out, making a living as a servant. She got married to a man named James Stewart, who owned a used clothing business. And he was a war veteran, too, from the War of 1812. And we also know that one day, James introduced his wife, Maria Miller, now Maria Stewart, to a friend of his, a man named David Walker. David Walker had become one of the leading abolitionist voices at the time, one of the leading voices protesting slavery in the United States. In fact, if you found yourself in need of some pants and made your way to James Stewart's store and bought a pair of pants from James, chances were good that you would have found some of David's abolitionist writings sewed into the inside pants leg. And Maria Stewart, wife of James Stewart, became a protege of sorts for this David Walker. She was picking up what he was putting down. And all the while, Maria was becoming a keeper of the word. But in 1829, James died. And then, two years later, David did too. And so Maria Stewart, just a few years shy of her 30th birthday, prayed. And as she prayed, she felt that nudge from God. The same nudge that she'd read about, that Moses and Samuel and Peter and Paul and Lydia felt too. A nudge from the Spirit 
to take up the mantle and continue the abolitionist work of her friend and mentor, David Walker. It was important work. Not for the weak at heart. Slavery was big business. It was big business in the North and in the South. Upton Sinclair was on to something when he declared that it's difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends upon his not understanding it. People in favor of slavery, the anti-abolitionists, even used the Bible to make the case that enslaved persons were not persons at all or, at best, were slightly less than persons. There is a created order to things, they said. This is the way God ordained it, they said. Slaves, obey your masters. It's right there in the Bible, they said. But Maria Stewart was a keeper of the word. So she knew that scripture can't just be used to say what you want it to say. She knew you can't cherry-pick a verse here or a verse there. She knew the importance of seeing the big picture, of seeing each verse and each passage in light of the whole. And what she was hearing from the slave owners and the anti-abolitionist movement, well, it didn't fit inside that whole, that big picture. You know that big picture. Human beings are made in the image of God, each and every person, black and white, male and female, created from the dust and filled with the Spirit, the very breath of God. The picture where Jesus brings good news to the poor and freedom to the oppressed, the one where Jesus dies just as he lived with open arms, the one where he's resurrected, defeating the slavery of sin and death, the one that says there is no longer Jew nor Greek, slave or free, male and female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. Maria Stewart was a keeper of the word, and so she couldn't remain silent. And she was compelled by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Advocate, the very presence, the very breath, of God to speak. So in 1832, she did. It was September 21st at Franklin Hall in Boston, Massachusetts. The leaves outside had just started to turn. And Maria Stewart, a 29-year-old free African-American woman in pre-Civil War America, stood up and walked across the platform. She stopped at the podium and looked out on the sea of men and women, of black faces and white faces together, staring back at her. And Maria Stewart, keeper of the word, took a breath, opened her mouth, and spoke. That sea of black faces and white faces witnessed history that day, because it was the first time, at least in the history of America, that any woman, African-American or otherwise, had given a public speech in front of both whites and blacks, men and women, together. It was an audience that some at the time called promiscuous. She spoke out that day against slavery, imploring her black sisters and brothers to rise up against slavery and oppression, not with violence, but with their hands and feet and hearts and voices. And she implored her white sisters and brothers to create greater opportunities for black women like herself to receive needed education and better jobs. And while her words had the tenor of a political speech, she met her contemporary problem with ancient wisdom, standing in the shoes not only of the great political orators of the past, but also in the shoes of the great prophets like Jeremiah and Amos and Deborah and so many others. Maria still called it a speech, but it was more of a sermon, really. A sermon because Maria Stewart was a keeper of the word. 
If you were to step back in time and be a part of that promiscuous crowd, you'd notice that the words of scripture were just sort of woven into the fabric of her language. And that's because scripture was woven into the fabric of her being. It was deep in her bones. It was on the tip of her tongue. Maria Stewart not only read and studied the Bible, it became a part of her. As she poured over the pages of scripture, the words, the word, filled her heart and her imagination. And it was from this well that she spoke. Some have said that it's hard to tell where the Bible ends and where Maria Stewart begins. Her words invited those who heard to see things in new ways, too. Scripture took on new meaning for those blessed to hear her. They discovered the ways that these words can shine light in dark corners of the world once hidden. As a keeper of the word... Maria Stewart stepped into the story of scripture and invited others along with her. She claimed the story for herself and made it her own. And in so doing, her world came alive. Maria Stewart gave only five speeches in all. Her final one in 1833. She'd done what she set out to do, and it was time to move on. But in those five brief speeches, she paved the way for more familiar names and more familiar voices that fill our history books today, voices like those of Sojourner Truth and Frederick Douglass. In her farewell address, Maria Stewart again looked out over a sea of black faces and white faces and said this, I am about to leave you. It was contempt for my moral and religious opinions in private that drove me thus before a public. My soul became fired with a holy zeal for your cause. Every nerve and muscle in me was engaged in your behalf. I felt that I had a great work to perform and was in haste to make a profession of my faith in Christ that I might be about my father's business. I am ready to say amen, even so be it. The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Following her farewell address in 1833, Maria Stewart disappears from history for nearly 50 years until we find her again just before her death, working as a matron at Freedmen's Hospital at Howard University in Washington, D.C. She was doing there what she'd always done. Maria Stewart was putting her hands and feet and heart where her voice had always been, as she cared for elderly former slaves who were also spending their final days there. Maria Stewart was a keeper of the word. And we are too. More next time, in 10 minutes or less. Ten Minutes or Less is a podcast of the local church, a bold, inclusive new faith community committed to being with and for one another, our community, and the world. You'll find us in bold purple throughout Chatham County, North Carolina, but we are a new expression of Christ United Methodist Church in Chapel Hill. If you love what you hear, share this episode or send it to somebody who could use a little love this week. Ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Help others find the podcast too and let us know how we're doing. Five stars if you're feeling generous. And speaking of generosity, don't forget that our Everybody In initiative is ongoing. Everybody In is a statement of identity and a call to action. If this podcast or this faith community has added value to you and your life in any way, if we have accompanied you along your own journey of life and faith, would you consider making a commitment or giving online $5, $10, $100? It's all big and it all helps sustain the work of the local church as we seek to help God's dream come alive. 
If you're listening, Everybody In includes you too, and we can't do this without your generous support. Learn more about the Everybody In initiative online at thelocalchurchpbo.org slash everybodyin. We'll be sure to link to it in the show notes. Also in the show notes, that's where my email is. If you want to connect with me to learn more about what God's up to through the local church, our plans, our dreams, our vision for our place in this community. Most weeks, Wes Frady is the producer of 10 Minutes or Less, but not this week. This week, Wes is in Hawaii. Hi, Wes. Uh, We're easy to find on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. Just search for The Local Church or Local Church PBO, all one word. Thanks, as always, for listening. Remember, you are not alone and love where you are.